considered adopting a child, is that correct? Yeah. And if I may inquire, uh, why did you not choose to have a child of your own? Because Teddy ain't got no dick. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, why does Ted not possess a uh, male appendage? Is it a freak of genetics? No, asshole. He ain't got a dick because he's a fucking toy. What's your excuse? Oh, take a burn. Yeah, how's your tongue tasting your own ass, point, Dexter? Yeah, how's it? What? Order. Mr. Bennett, how would you categorize your relationship with Ted? He's my best friend. So you don't see him as your property? No, he's not my property. I mean, he's a person. He's way more of a person than lots of other people. I mean, fucking Steven Tyler? What the fuck is that? Some kind of weird soccer mom looking goonie monster? Your Honor. I'll allow it. Thank you, Your Honor. Your witness. Mr. Bennett, when and where did you first encounter Ted? Oh, what do you mean? My parents got him for me when I was a kid. Aha, they got him. Where did they get him? Childhood toy store. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear that. Could you repeat that, please? Childhood toy store. You fucking heard me. There's no need for hostility, Mr. Bennett. Why? Nobody here likes you. I saw you eating lunch alone. You're a loser. Your Honor. Mr. Bennett. I hope your kids get bird flu. Mr. Bennett. I'm sorry. Now, you said your parents purchased Ted. As one might purchase a baseball glove or a big wheel? No, it's not like that. Objection! You can't do that. You know what? This is bullshit. All right? This court is trying to tell me that I'm not as good as other people. And this is exactly what you've been doing to the fags. Ted! And I, sorry, sorry, the homos, the homos. This is exactly what you've been doing to the homos, and I say it's wrong. Ms. Jackson, please control your client, or I'll hold both of you in contempt of court. Now piss off! All right? I'm standing up for me, and I'm standing up for the homos. We deserve respect! Ted, shut up! Fine. Better than ever. This show gets intense. Real nonsense. Hosted by Stax and Flim. I'm Flim. Wanna welcome you in. It's been a little minute. It's been about five days since you heard my voice. Have no fear. We back. We are back. The Cape Crusaders come to save the day. A lot going on in sports. It's been a fun week. I got a real nonsense. I cannot wait to give you guys tonight. I mean, this when I listen. I think Stack said it once. Uh, man, you you don't even have to write this stuff. Like when I sit and I I go over show stuff and. Things that, that might make the show, might not make the show. Look for content. Um, man, this this stuff writes itself. I don't have to be creative. I never have to be creative. 
I just read and I jot stuff down. Anything that jumps out to me, it takes zero creativity to come up with these headlines. And this real nonsense, uh, when we get to that at the end, this is no different. I couldn't believe my eyes when I was reading this. Uh, and I like to add a little humor with the real nonsense. I don't like to do anything like super heavy. Uh, I think I did one that was really heavy once, and I realized it's not a great idea. Uh, man, you'll have a good one with that. But enough of me rambling about the end. Let me tell you what's going to lead up to the end. I'm going to talk caps tonight. Uh, they're in their series. They're in a dog fight. Uh, we're going to talk caps, but we're going to talk caps in depth. Watch that game. I had a choice of either watching uh, Boston, Milwaukee. They were playing game uh, th- game four. A chance of watching that. Or I could watch the Caps play. I chose to watch the Caps. Watch that uh, start to finish. I'm going to dive into that. Uh, man, they pissed me off. Women in sports, though. Mother's Day just passed. We're going to do a, a brief segment on that one. Uh, no, no offense to the ladies, but we are going to harp on a brief segment of just top women in sports history. And give them some love. Uh, one of my favorites in sports history, uh, Cheryl Miller. She's going to highlight that segment. Uh, just to go ahead and tell you that now. So stick around. Fun facts about Cheryl Miller. If you didn't know uh, some of these things that I'm going to drop on you. She was an amazing athlete. Man or woman. Didn't matter. She was an amazing athlete. Sex did not matter with her. Uh, we'll break down. That game, though, because I did uh, revisit the highlights. I was flipping back and forth uh, when the Caps were on break. So I got a decent feel for the Celtics. Horford, uh, their center. Horford went off tonight for a career high uh, for Boston as they were able to edge out uh, Milwaukee. And uh, talk some Nationals. I've been watching them a lot lately. I've been watching. I've been betting more than ever lately. And because I've been gambling really heavy in the past two and a half weeks i'm more entrenched with uh alternative sports outside of basketball football than i've ever been i am knee deep in baseball tonight i bet on the angels uh but these are the the more i'm betting the more informed i become about these sports because now at the top of my head i know i'm unless i see the angels and they're playing the marlins i'm thinking okay well shohei otani uh, Mike Trout, uh, Rendon, Anthony Rendon. I, I start naming all stars, and I'm like, man, of course the A's are going, going to give it to these guys. So anyway, we're going to talk some Nationals though. I've been keeping up with them very closely, and I got to change a heart on the USFL. I think I came out before. I didn't rip them, but I expressed that I thought spring football might possibly ruin football. I'm going to tell you why I changed my mind on that. Why I'll go ahead and shift the gears. This wouldn't be a show if I didn't talk Commanders as well. So we're going to do that when I come back. Talk some Commanders. Break out a new segment I got, too. Uh, new segment, so that'll be fun. Uh, see how that goes. And go ahead and get out of here. So sit tight. And welcome back. I'm back. And don't go anywhere. Real nonsense, stacks and phlegm, this is phlegm.
It's the Quest Cat keeping you company Forever or however you want it Word, word Now wait a minute, my, before you dead it to the curb yeah. Try to make impressions, which is good, not the herd But it, it ain't me, and I, I ain't blurred I'ma still just Nonsense, stacks of phlegm. This phlegm. This might be babies. Best verse ever. This might be a best Birdman verse ever put down. When the light hit the ice, shit twinkling, glisten. Oh man. All right, we back. We're going to get into it. Let's get in that sports talk. I would do a uh, off sports talk, but I, I don't got much really. Uh, a decent Mother's Day. Um, that was nice. It was nice. Uh, seeing my mom. Got my brother over there. Got my son. And you start to see the, uh, this life plays itself out in that way. When you, uh, get older and you start, uh, not only caring about yourself. And I think that just comes with age in general. Whether you have kids or not, that part's not relevant. I think just with age, as you mature, you start caring about society more, your neighbors more, your friends more, your family more. Your friend circles become smaller because you can't care about all the people not worth caring about, in my my humble opinion. So uh, just being able to be there with them and kind of in moments take a step back when I'm in my own head and just kind of look at things. And I, I realize I see things in a different light. And and that was important to me getting that vision and seeing like, man, this, this shit's coming full circle, man. It's, it's, uh, it's three generations sitting in one room. Uh, so that was good. So there's my, uh, nothing to do with sports, uh, piece. So now I can rip into these capitals. I watched that entire, uh, entire game. Caps, uh, it was dogfight. It was not a very entertaining hockey game in the sense uh, where a fan like me, who's a casual fan, who only tunes in for playoff hockey, it was 1-1 up until the third period. They only played three in hockey, so it was 1-1 throughout the game uh, pretty much. And, And this is the thing. Hockey is getting better with putting points up. You got the Penguins right now who have uh, the Rangers on the ropes. Penguins just now, Penguins went up 3-1 in their series, best of seven. But tonight, the the Pens put seven goals in. It was 7-2. You get these kind of scores in hockey now, 5-4. Those are exciting games. You get... You give somebody 10 goals in hockey. I mean, that's exciting. You can tell even by the way, if you bet the sport, the over-unders that that are coming in now, a lot of over-unders are set at eight and a half. You know, where years back, you'd look at six would be a fair line for Vegas and not lose any money. Think about that. So the sport has done a good job opening up, letting guys skate, uh, showing off the speed and the finesse of the game. A lot of times... uh, in its earlier days, it was a more physical game, like a lot of sports. 
in this plethora of money that's out there for live sports entertainment now, and that's, I think, what uh, a la carte television and entertainment um, options have, have pretty much pumped steroids into live sports. So live sports is one of the few things you really look forward to now on a on a frequent basis. And then you still get your things like the Grammys and Oscars for people who are in those things uh, on a yearly basis. But I say all that to say live sports is profiting and benefiting because people can just intake the uh their content just just anytime they want wherever they want but the only thing they have to really sit down or be fixed to now is live sports so that's the biggest ticket in town but circling back i say all that to say that the nhl has done a very 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 good job like the nba and like the um nfl with opening their game up, becoming more TV friendly. And if you notice, too, it's more games on TV this year. TNT has games now. <laughs> Pardon me. TBS has games now. Um, NBC has games now. These are nationally televised hockey games, which years ago you may have had one throughout the, the playoff run. Now, not one in one night, but what I'm saying is one network would take on the hockey and you just put on the biggest uh, – biggest ticket in town but now it's not the case that is not the case anymore hockey is growing and evolving it's becoming a lot more watchable for a casual fan like me i do not watch regular season hockey i'm not gonna sit here and act like i do i bet on it i look at the box score i don't sit and watch games regular season hockey i just don't playoff hockey different it feels different. It's got a different sensation to it. The crowds are all engaged. Every night, the building sold out. You turn that up on your TV and you give it 10 minutes, you're submerged. It's good. It's physical play. But like I said, to the rules, they've opened up, become a far, far more finesse game. You start falling in love with the speed of the skaters. You realize these are basketball or football-sized players. These are people, when you check in the box scores and looking at players, I mean, these guys are in six foot five, 260 pounds, just slamming into each other. Guys, six foot three, 230. I mean, these are real, legitimate athletes. These are football players rolling around at 23 miles an hour, slamming into each other with a little bit less equipment. So it, it's, a, it's a fun sport, playoff wise. I, it hadn't won me over regular season, but playoff, should we get past, and I don't want to jinx them. Because they're in a dogfight and I'm circling back to the cap. Should we get past the uh, Panthers, the Florida Panthers? I'm going to the next. I'm going to a game in the next series. I don't care if I'm in the nosebleeds, sitting 400. I'm going to Capital One Arena. And I'm going to enjoy my first hockey game. And it's going to be in a goddamn playoff setting. So I can't wait for that. I'm pulling for the caps. But based on what happened tonight, I'm going to have to pull a lot harder. Caps end up losing in overtime by the score of 3-2, to two, heartbreaking fashion. It was 1-1 in the first period. Uh, Kuznetskov hits a goal for us. I don't know any of those players on the Panther side. I'm not even going to act like I do. But uh, some other Panther donk ends up putting in a, a goal, and it's 1-1 throughout. We go through the second period. It was tough to watch for a casual fan like me again because it was no scoring whatsoever. It was excitement when you really get in and root for your guys. 
And when you're really pulling, when the puck's close to the net and you're almost getting in there on the other team's net, it's a really, 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 uh, really cool feeling. Because you never know when that puck's going in. But I couldn't tell you much about period two because I'm just not an like, in-depth hockey guy. I couldn't tell who had control. Uh, probably speaking to the score, neither team. It was probably more of a balance and act. Um, and then we go to the third period, what I can give you my opinion on. I felt Caps came out really strong third period and got their sale de-fucking-flated. I think they put on, we go up, uh, TJ Oshie puts us up uh, 2-1. With a goal about eight minutes to go in the game, in the third period, eight minutes to go. If we can just sit on that 2-1 lead in the eighth, uh, man, even watching it, though, I felt uneasy. I could have jinxed it because once we went up, when we were 1-1 still tied, I was still getting plus money on the Caps. I went ahead and put in a, a, a active live bet on the Capitals to win the game. But anyway, Oshie puts us up, and then... I'm just watching. We uh we take our foot off the gas. To me, and like I said, I'm not a, a savant of the sport, but me watching, Caps took their foot off the gas. They they started playing just in their own zone. They were playing a very defensive style. We weren't getting up and down the ice anymore. We weren't being offensive, still pressing like we were trying to get to four before the game was over. We felt like that 2-1 was going to get us past the eight minutes. Heartbreaking fashion, Panthers end up scoring with two minutes left in the game. End up tying it up, making it 2-2. Ilya Samsonov, our goalie, uh, just gave it up. Gave up a top-shelf goal right over his shoulder. Um, he had played... He played okay up until then. His game, when he played in game three, he played amazing. He, he gave up a gimme starting out game three and proceeded to not give up anything else that game. That game was fun too. Sorry. For the casual fan. That game was fun for the casual fan because it ended up being 5-1. You saw a ton of goals. Caps won. All the good guys won. Anyway, Sam Sonoff. I it it this I I used to think quarterback was one of the, probably still is the hardest gig in sports hardest position to play I said quarterback point guard um I mean those two a lot of times when you're just the leader of your team the hardest position in sports or one of the toughest goal goaltender. It's just made my list. I'll say that, though. I'll, I, to defend him. I'm still going to murder him after this because it's so, it's it's a gut-wrenching way to lose. And it's not all on him. But, God damn it, it's hard when you're, uh, again, like the quarterback, like the point guard, team loses, you, you might get the blame. So, the goal, goalie's no different. Uh, I mean, goaltender's no different. So, in his defense, though, it's pretty fucking hard to do any job in the world if behind you, there. once you make a mistake, like you, everyone loves you. People don't even love you. People aren't, people giving everybody else the credit to skating around. The only time people even acknowledge you is when this big red buzzer goes off, this huge red light and this buzzer goes off right behind you when you make a mistake. 
Imagine doing a job like that. Imagine being at your desk, and the instant that you make a mistake, a big red light goes off, and everybody starts booing you. Everybody looks at you, says, oh, he just fucked up. So it's a tough gig. It's a tough gig. You take shot after shot, night after night. People only know you if you mess up. It's a tough gig. Now, with that defense put in, you can't give that goal up with three minutes to go. I mean, Oshi puts us up one. All we got to do is tread water through the rest, through the whole game. And this is why I blame the team on this a little more than him. I, let me get off Samson off. I blame the team more for taking their foot off the gas because you got to help Samson off. You got to help Samson off in that moment. You can't make it all about him. The team has to continue to fight. Sam was fighting for his goddamn life. Once the team decided, okay, we're up 2-1, let's just go into super defensive mode. I wish they'd stayed in attack mode. I really do. And then again, they know more about that sport than I do. I'm just kind of getting into that sport. What do I know? But it don't take a genius. It does not take a genius if you watch that game to say, it looks like the Caps are chilling now. Looks like the Caps are just treading water. Looks like they're just trying to milk the clock. It's not how you win playoffs. That's not how you win playoffs in any sport. If it was basketball, I'd say the same thing. If you're up 12 with five minutes to go, you keep pushing. You play the entire 60 minutes, and that sport is 60 minutes. They didn't play the entire 60 minutes. The Caps played 55 minutes and got their asses kicked at the end. They give up a goal with two minutes to go, ties it 2-2. They go into overtime. It's one of those things like in all sports, you feel it as a fan. You don't feel good about it. Once they gave up winning overtime, you knew it was a matter of time before the Panthers found a way, and they sure did. Caps had, Caps are the underdog in this series. They're the AFC. They're a wild card, but they've won before. Their team is full of veterans, and they had this number one seeded hot shot team on the fucking ropes, and they let them off. And it's probably going to be where they lose the series, to be honest. Series is now tied 2-2, and they're going back to Florida, and Florida has momentum. They could be heading back to Florida up 3-1 if they just play eight more minutes of good hockey. <sighs> Come back. Talk women in sports. Real nonsense. Stacks flame is flame. Okay, Lamborghini Mercy, yo chick she so thirsty. I'm in that two seat Lambo with your girl she tryna jerk. Okay, Lamborghini Mercy, yo chick she so thirsty. I'm in that two seat Lambo with your girl she tryna jerk. Okay, Lamborghini Mercy, yo chick she so thirsty. I'm in that two seat Lambo with your Show gets intense, real nonsense. Stack some phlegm, this phlegm tonight. Oh, so let you in on it. We have some technical difficulties. I am recording at night. It is twelve seventeen. Segment you're about to hear, I 
recorded. I was. I previously recorded this, and it was a, a glitch with the power. Power went out, literally, for for a split second. And the segment I just did uh, evaporated. So, just a little transparency uh, to that. But hardest working men in show business, and I'm one of them. And the show must go on. So I'll show you my professionalism. I won't sit here and pout about that. God damn, that upset me. But anyway, I was in the mix of letting you guys know about greatest women in sports history. And I want to start here with Cheryl Miller. Cheryl Miller was an amazing athlete. And I was I was fortunate enough to not see Cheryl play, but know of her legacy and dominance. Uh, before just like researching this Like me growing up I'd always heard the legends Of Cheryl Miller If you don't know Cheryl Miller She's uh, Now a She's a former uh, Collegiate uh, Basketball player And she's now currently Sideline reporter For the NBA She's also the older sister Of Reggie Miller Who's a Hall of Famer And she Is a Hall of Famer In her own on her own right She was an amazing basketball player She played for USC In the 80's She was This was the most uh, Shocking uh, Of her accomplishments to me and Shocking in a good way It just showed me how good She really was And she was commanding that respect And we're talking the 80's Where Women were fighting for respect Especially in male dominated fields And especially sports she was named Sports Illustrated named her collegiate athlete of the 80s of the decade. She was best collegiate athlete. They voted her best collegiate athlete, period. Think of, now wrap your mind around this part. Think about who was playing sports in the 80s. I mean, Michael Jordan was in college in the 80s. Patrick Ewing was in college in the 80s. Scottie Pippen in college in the 80s. Uh, even outside of those sports Emmitt Smith in college in the 80s Michael Irvin college in the 80s All those players that went to the U I mean these are These are players These are people who are household names And back then And to their credit Sports Illustrated They objectively looked at Who is dominating their sport Like none other And when they And these people do this for a living these people get paid to do this. They put their heads together and came to the conclusion no one's dominated their sport like Cheryl Miller. Cheryl Miller, and these are all coming off the top of my head. I, I ended up <laughs> Xing out. I was firing off stats about Cheryl, but I, I'll do her justice. She was a four-time high school All-American. She, she owns the record in the state of California 105 points scored in a game That still hadn't been broken Male or female She's a four time uh, Collegiate All-American So when she got to USC Every single year She was the All-American uh, Voted All-American She was a two time uh, Finals M Not finals MVP But NCAA tournament MVP She was a two time NCAA champion She still holds the records At USC For And for uh, Note USC is also where Lisa Leslie 
household Hall of Fame, one of the greatest women uh, players to ever play women's basketball, and Candace Parker. Both of those same um, same uh, awards go to her. Both went to USC, could not sniff the records that Cheryl Miller uh, established in the 80s. Neither one of them could outscore Miller, nor could neither one of them out-rebound or uh, uh, have more steals than Miller. Cheryl Miller was also the first woman. Don't ever let it get twisted. Now, Lisa Leslie was the first in the WNBA. Cheryl Miller was the first woman in an organized, televised basketball game to ever dunk a basketball. She was the first to do that at USC. Uh, she was just a groundbreaker. She was an Olympic uh, uh, in 1984. She won an Olympic gold medal playing the sport of basketball. Uh, just a dominant athlete. I mean, overall dominant athlete. Uh, Reggie will tell you, he uses this all the time when they when they link those two up. Uh, Cheryl would routinely give it to him uh, as they were playing growing up. She was this good. This was the, the real nugget for me. Uh, this was one that I just thought was like, wow. She was drafted to several international uh, pro leagues, but there was a men's league. Now, of course, it's not the NBA. It wasn't the NBA. But there was a men's league, a supplemental league almost. Let's call it the D-League. Let's call it the D-League. She was drafted to that. This was a, a league full of men, all men. And she was so good that the league, they didn't even know if, if it would work, if it was inside of the rules. They just knew drafter, taker, will figure out, will figure a way to plan her in the games and, and make it okay and legal for her to play in these games. That's how good she was. That a league full of guys looked a, prof a professional league full of guys, full of men. So we need this woman. This woman, this woman will not impact our product. And think about from the from the angle they're at. They're searching for talent. They're they're a startup product. They're under the heel of the NBA, and they said, "Man, I mean, she's not gonna hurt us." Think about how good she had to be for them to feel like. I mean, we already get, we're already little brother. We're already laughed at. We're already you know pushed aside, and for them to say, "Well, Cheryl Miller ain't gonna do nothing but help us." I I just wrapped my mind around that. And I thought that was amazing. But uh, other notable. Women in sports, uh, Serena Williams comes to the top of my mind. 23 grand slams, which is amazing. Imagine just winning 23 tournaments in any sport. An individual sport where she's been champion 23 times. Her sister Venus, who honestly, she was a victim of time and place. Because if there was no Serena, Venus becomes the best tennis female tennis athlete period but because serena plays in the same time and they play in the same uh they play in, they overlap one another serena will go down as the better athlete but venus dominated that sport as well and she doesn't have all the the wins that serena has but if there was no serena you just plug and play venus both of them uh, lead all-time in doubles uh, championships as well. 
So they they dominated that sport. Uh, off the top of my head, too, comes to mind Danica Patrick. Danica Patrick is the rare female that A, gets to debunk a, a huge stereotype that women are worse drivers than men. But secondly, she gets to play her sport against men. She gets to really put her money where her mouth is. You don't have to do those hypotheticals, but, well, but if they played against men, they'd get blown up. Danica goes out there every single race, and she just puts her money where her mouth is. Well, what about those what ifs? What about uh, maybe men can? Let's just find out. Can these men drive better than me? So I, I, I hats off to Danica for that. Like I said, she plays her sport against men. She has to make top female athletes, period. And there are many, many more out there. Uh, Dominique Doss comes to mind. She was amazing. Uh, you know, uh, there's a ton. I'm sorry, ladies. I'm drawing a blank. Candace Parker, I've referenced her earlier. Uh, Lisa Leslie, of course. Ronda Rousey. I think, if I'm not mistaken, first female to headline a pay-per-view. Um, Ronda Rousey. Between WWE. And listen, I know a lot of people don't think that's a sport. That's a sport. It's a, it's a gimmicky sport. But WWE is a sport, man. I'm sorry. You, you. These are athletes. These guys are jumping all around, flying all around, putting their bodies on the line for entertainment. They don't keep score like other sports, but it's scripted as far as the back and forth. But when it comes to the athletic prowess, make no mistake about it. WWE is is a, is a legit sport, and they house women. Ronda Rousey came out of that, uh, came out of that field. So, I mean, came out of their uh, their farm system, I should say. Uh, so just want to give women a little love. I got my fucking fucking boxers in a bunch over that uh over that goddamn uh, power issue. So my apologies that I'm not at peak form during this segment. So I'm gonna break. I've been crossing my fingers the power don't go back out too <laughs> during this whole segment. Maybe that's why I got a I got a monkey on my back. Just just praying like please don't let that happen again. Ah, but I digress. Come back. I'm going to talk some Celtics. I eat that cat just like a lion, and I can't trust none of these niggas. Can't trust none of these hoes. And I see your girl when I want. I got that whole TiVo. Uh, got a red-ass bitch with a red-ass pussy. Nigga, try me, that's a dead-ass pussy. I had a dream that the whole world was staring at me I woke up and wasn't no one there Wasn't no one there Yeah Same song to it Real nonsense Show gets intense Stacks and phlegm Just phlegm tonight I'm running out of time So I'm gonna speed through a little bit of these I wrote a little bit too much for you guys tonight, but it's none of your concern. I'm gonna kind of gloss through this next uh, this next topic, and we're gonna talk some Celtics. More so, dive into uh, Celtics and how they're they're having their their time in their series. 
I did a little research and I was looking up the highest value trading cards. Uh, no particular sport. It's just in history. In current date, but in history as well. So, uh, Mickey Mantle values at $5.2 million for a trading card. Wrap your mind around some of these numbers, too. Jesus Christ. A Mickey Mantle from the 1952 Tops Pack is worth 5.2. This isn't even autographed. This is not an autographed Mickey Mantle. It's just having a card back then. And then and I get it. Like Cards were big back then. And, and after doing this research, I'm going to buy cards. And I'll, and I'll let you know when I get to the player that when I read his number and read that it's worth X amount, I said I'm buying some. What the fuck do I have to lose? 20 bucks? I stand to make millions in old age. I stand to set my family up for life because I bought a pack of cards. I'm in. I'm in. I gamble. I'm in. I gamble on lesser. I'm fucking in. I gamble. I gamble away family earnings at times to make 300 bucks. You telling me I can make millions? I'm in. So, the Mickey Mantle, uh, LeBron James' rookie card. Uh, these came, this pack, this particular pack came autographed. Uh, so, I see that now, too, just reading this off to you guys. I'm going to buy the autographed rookie packs. And then bank on the rookies. And you still got to bank. You get a good rookie. But, again, that's the gamble. But so it's a, it's worth it <laughs> when you read some of these numbers. But that card was worth $5.2 million as well. Uh, hey, who didn't know that LeBron card? See, he got such hype. Who didn't know that LeBron card was going to be worth something? Like, can you imagine opening that pack back then in 03 <laughs> and seeing LeBron James come out? You just knew. You didn't have to cross your fingers like, man, I hope this guy becomes something. You just knew you were sitting on a winner winner. That day, you probably could have sold it for like 500000 to be honest. Someone would have took that bet. You find some mogul with, 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 with not enough to do and a lot of money to spend. Someone would have bought that car from you early. Uh, moving on. This was the guy that made me say, I'm getting into this field, man. I, I got to fucking try. The autographed, not even rookie, autographed. Luka Doncic goes for $4.6 million. Luka right now playing in the league. When I say, well, shit, that's all I got to do is, is just get a card pack with Luka or Trey Young in it, and I'm, I'll be set. Yeah, that's how good people are predicting Luka to be, though. Let that set in, too. I'll speed through the rest of these. Patrick Mahomes, uh, his rookie card is worth 4.3. Mike Trout, his uh, rookie card from 09. Autographed is worth 3.9. These are all millions. Uh, Honus Wagner, he's a player from way back in the day. He's worth 3.75 million. Uh, Dwayne Gretzky, his rookie card from 79 is worth seven points. Uh, I mean, sorry, my apologies, 3.75 million. Uh, Wagner rounds out the list two more times. If you could have just got your hands on any cards while that guy was playing. Uh, 3.7 and then 3.1. So those are highest grossing cards, uh, player cards currently. Michael Jordan ain't even on that list. So that tells you something. That's a field I need to be in. That's a field I'm getting in. Not even need to be in. When I read those numbers, every paycheck, man, 
I'm buying some cards. I'll tell you that much. So, uh, for the break, tease that the Celtics uh, took on the Milwaukee Bucks tonight. And the Celtics were able to tie the series up at 2-2. They took care of business against the Milwaukee Bucks uh, by the score of 116-108. I was flipping back and forth when hockey was on break. I got a feel for that game. Celtics pulled away, but I think the flow of the game felt like it is one of those that Milwaukee ended up losing. But when you look at the box score and when you did get some kind of idea of how they were playing, uh, they being both teams, I mean, it took Al Horford having a career high in 30 points. And you got production out of Tatum. Uh, tonight, who still did not shoot the ball particularly well. He was 3 of 10 from 3, uh, 11 of 24 from the field overall. But you played these guys. They played balls to the wall. They played like it was an elimination game. They played their starters, I mean, max minutes. Now, Brown got into foul trouble. He ended up, I, even when I tuned in, he, they were sitting him down with four fouls. They played a small rotation, and they just played their asses off. They knew they needed this game. Horford played 41 minutes. Tatum played 41 minutes. Smart played 41 minutes. Jalen Brown probably would have played 41 minutes if he didn't get in foul trouble. He played 32. Uh, they tried to find a Giannis stopper in this guy, uh, Grant Williams. They're trying to utilize him. His size does make it a little tougher uh, on Giannis, but even that guy played 24 minutes. And then they got this other kid, uh, Derek White who ended up playing uh, 34 minutes, but they were just maxing out guys, small rotation. They only went to eight guys tonight. They went to the uh, Daniel Thias guy only because the Browns going into foul trouble. Otherwise, I think the 10 minutes he got even wouldn't even be relevant. They kept it small, tight, compact, unlike Milwaukee, uh, who kind of opened it up to their guys, played a little more rotation, and they did max Giannis. And this is one thing I hated about my superstar not that Giannis did anything, but I hate to max out my superstar. Giannis played a full 41 minutes in a loss. Uh, Giannis gave it his all. Didn't shoot it great, but he also didn't shoot it poorly. And Giannis had 18 rebounds tonight. The problem is too much Giannis. He just didn't get any help. Drew Holiday, only 16 points. Had an awful shooting night, 5 of 22. And I don't even see Middleton on this box score. So there you go with that. Uh... Grayson Allen couldn't help him much. He only had seven points. It was all Giannis, and he just needed some help. But I, I thought I, 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 watching that game unfold at the end, I saw the Celtics maxing out using max effort just to stay in it. Um, it takes the Celtics' best night to win that game. I, I just think they're they're that came uh, just it was it was apparent that the Bucks are a better team because of the effort that it takes the Celtics to get on their level. Giannis is playing at such a high level that he's keeping the Bucks in every game. I'm, yeah, and the Celtics, without a career night from Horford, 
probably the third, fourth best player are looking at being down 3-1. If they don't get a career night out of a guy, out of a slightly above average player, you're down 3-1. When I, when I wrap my mind around that, I said, well, if the Celtics have to play like this just to win, and Giannis's team can have a not perfect or even great night. Imagine the Bucks on a perfect night. Imagine the Bucks firing on all cylinders. So that to me, I said they're gonna beat the Celtics. And this might go to seven because officiating has come up in this uh, series. So it may go to seven, but uh, give me the Bucks. That non-shooting call, that 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 foul on Marcus Smart uh, in Game Three, where he's going up and they call it a uh, non-shooting foul. I, I mean, God, I don't know, man. It looked like a shooting foul to me on Marcus Smart for a second. Uh, back when he was at Oklahoma State, I did not think he was going to be much of a pro. Probably centers around that incident where he shoves the hell out of that fan. That white guy said something to him. And I mean, he just double barrel pushed that guy in the chest, shoved him right back in his seat. I didn't think that was the best look. Uh, I didn't always love his game either, but he's he's molded. Boston has molded him and developed him into a a, a good player. I'm not even going to down him. He's a defensive player of the year this league. I mean, this year. Uh, he's a good player. He's a really good player, but I think both of those teams are very well coached, uh, and this is the reason why. Because this this series, as tight as it is, it's probably the most competitive series. Not probably, it is the most competitive series going on right now, and it's not chippy. And to me, that's a sign of good coaching. Good coaching, obviously, is the X's and O's a lot of times, but the other stuff that doesn't really get seen or noticed is how you manage people, how you manage your talent how you manage the personalities, but then also how your team acts and what's their etiquette like. And it's not even only in just basketball. I mean, football, hockey, baseball. You got guys out there flipping bats in baseball and and, and hitting hitting guys with pitches. And I mean, that's poor leadership. And I think this series is, a, is an example of good leadership from both coaches where it's not a chippy series. They're not spatting with each other. They're focused on the game. They're respecting the game. I think that in football, when you get a lot of those these fights on the side and all that, those skirmishes and crap, those are poorly coached football teams to some extent at times. Now, granted, if someone does something egregious to your player, stick up for them. But teams that are always constantly chirping after the whistle, teams that are always constantly focused on showboating and, and getting in skirmishes and fights and stuff, those are poorly coached teams. Good teams finish the play, and they're thinking about the next. Uh, more often than not. So just wanted to give that a uh, little anecdote as well. Uh, we come back. My, my All my bets bombed. I had a fire bet tonight. Uh, $2 would have won me $87. Uh, that went up in smoke. And I, took the, I took the Memphis Grizzly on the money line. And you're asking, why would I do that? Now, I didn't think the Grizzly would win. I thought they had a chance of winning. But I, the, the money was just too mouthwatering. They were plus 400. They were plus 400. They were plus four freaking hundred. 
in a playoff game. You, I, 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 me personally, I can't pass odds like that. I don't care what the sport is. I throw two dollars at that. So threw two bucks at it, stacked it with a parlay. Uh, the ending odds ended up being plus two thousand three hundred something. Uh, so it was a shot in the dark. Anyway, enough of how I lost money tonight. We come back. We're gonna talk some nationals. See how the baseball team is doing. Uh, I'll mix that segment with why I just had a bad, uh, bad call on the USFL. Don't go nowhere. Uh, real nonsense. I get involved so deeply I can't even get one my feet out Boy, that shit thicker than Gator Mud She go to sleep and I creep out I got them birds and them beats out Suck on my dog with a leash out 60k to get my teeth out I got some cush for the leaf out Couple bad bitches, we ready for them My roll it gold, I'm a leprechaun That shit ain't right if they stepping on Got on ice, no, no money Came up on a corner I came up on some honor Another level, 7k for the show Check the schedule, and I'm booked up, little bitch What a cut, gotta get a hundred pieces A hundred pieces, I gotta get them I'm in the kitchen, whipping, know the Alright, back, two segments to go This one and real nonsense segment Nothing to do with sports uh, well, back to real nonsense. Nothing to do with sports. I just read today, Young Thug was arrested, charged with uh, racketeering and operating a, a criminal enterprise. Nah, I'm not stunned. I'm not one to act like I. It's surprising to hear. But man, those are some serious charges right there. I mean, that's Bob. That's Bobby Smurder territory. That, that's Bobby Smurder esque. He did all that time. So, uh, I mean, best of luck goes out to him. He, he got an uphill climb. Those are some serious charges I read. Uh, anytime I see the word racketeering, I just get, uh, I just feel like, man, that guy's gone forever. But anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, anyways, uh, talk some nationals again. I, I've been keeping up with, I just, I just can't with this team. Uh, and that, that team being the nationals. I mean, they, they weren't slated to be good this year. They come home tomorrow. They were on a West Coast uh, West Coast stint. They played the Giants out there, and they also played the Angels. The Angels are stacked. Uh, next show, I'm going to do a segment on Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani, if you don't know him, he's 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 going to go down as one of the best athletes of this generation of the 2000s. Uh, I mean, 2020s. He's a pitcher. He's also a designated hitter. And he's also an outfielder. So let that sink in. P. 
pitchers historically only play one side of the ball, which is defense. But the problem with the rules in the NL National League were they required you to hit when you were a pitcher. So NL pitchers, they were pretty much a uh, a liability because a lot of them only batted, you know, zero. They were batting in the zero points or, you know, the 10 percentiles. You found a pitcher batting in the 20 percentile. That was fucking amazing. You found a pitcher that could hit. One out of ten pitches, you'll take it. I mean, one out of ten at bats. I'm sorry to get a single on one out of ten at bats. You take it because pitchers just historically can't hit because they're so focused on one side of the ball. Otani comes along, changes the game. Best two way player since Babe Ruth or or Bo Jackson. Can't they don't allow two way players just because you want your players to be prolific at what they specialize in. Not Otani. Otani. Is a legit hitter, batting at 314. 42 home runs last year. And he's a pitcher that won 13 out of uh three 13, won 13 of his starts, lost three. With an ERA of three th- uh God, I'm talking about ERA was 3.8, I want to say. Those are amazing numbers. He'd be an amazing hitter. Or he'd be an amazing pitcher, and he does both. So, anyway, I may not have to do that segment on Otani because uh, I just kind of gave you the spill on Otani. That, that's all about Otani right there. I mean, he, when we stop and look back, it's like, damn, he's a once-in-a-lifetime player. He's a once-in-a-lifetime a once in a lifetime player. That's like getting a wide receiver. That's That's like getting a... 80-catch wide receiver that also had nine interceptions as a defensive back. That's exactly what that's like. That is exactly the same. He's doing numbers just as comparable to that. He's putting in Pro Bowl numbers on one side of the ball, and he's putting in Pro Bowl numbers on the other side of the ball. All in a day's work. They got a new rule made for Otani. Anyway, to the Nationals. To be honest, there's not a lot to talk about the Nats, to be honest. I'm glad Otani just filled that space. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad Otani just filled that space. Uh, with my frustration with them, though, they're, they're coming home off their West Coast road stint. And they're just not, they're just not finishing games, man. Last game they just played against the Angels. They gave up. They were up four to five. I'm sorry, they were up five four. Bottom of the ninth, Rendon comes to the plate uh, and knocks in Otani for the winning run. Here's the call. Oh man, I, I, I and I don't know what them. Like I, I've been betting them, and I know better. And I knew this wasn't slated to be their best year, but I keep betting them anyway. Uh, God damn, they don't keep burning me. But here's a call. Winning run at the plate. Otani drives that one. Center field. Back out of his Robles. Off the wall. Here comes Ward. That's going to tie the ball game. It would really be fitting if Rendon did it against his old teammates. Rendon drives that one to center. 
center field. Shohei Otani's being sent by Phil Nevin. The throw to the plate. Otani is. He's safe. That's the that's the heartbreaking call. How the Nats literally in the bottom of the ninth give up a hit to Rendon, who we should have paid, who should have been swinging that bat for us. Heartbreaking fashion. Otani comes around. They win walk-off fashion. Rendon, two RBIs to win the game. (sighs) Nats at a glance. This is the problem. And then I'll get off them. I thought they were going to be bad. So that's not my frustration. I thought they would be bad. My problem with them is, is that they played well. And that's throwing me off. I'd rather them just be bad because that's what I was expecting. But they're they're playing both sides of the fence. And then that part is just getting frustrating. They're scoring way more runs than I thought they would. I thought offense would be their problem. I mean, they put up 11 runs, 10 runs, 7 runs, 7 runs. Uh... They've got other games where they've put up as many as 11. Uh, I mean, this offense is not the necessary issue. They put up 14 runs against the uh, against San Francisco less than a week ago. It's not that. and that the, It's that I can't figure them out. It's that I read and saw all offseason what I thought they would be. They'd be a terrible team with a terrible offense. And what's come to fruition is they're an okay team with a decent offense, and they just can't get out of their own way. So that's why I'm frustrated. And in the words of uh, Mike Ditka, that's why I'm frustrated. USFL. I had a... I just had this take on the USFL. Well, they were just going to ruin... The football experience, bringing spring football. I say, no, I want spring football. I changed my mind on that. We're in this a la carte age where people can choose to watch or not. And that's what saved the USFL. If we were still vying for precious TV time and you put a a product that looks like the USFL on, it would have murdered football. Kids would turn that on and think that's what football is and looks like. People who didn't weren't submerged in the game would turn that on and think, oh, well, all football must look like this. It would have been a bad look for the NFL. But because if you don't like USFL football, you don't have to watch. No one's making you watch USFL football. Pull your goddamn phone out. Watch some YouTube. Watch whatever else you'd be watching any other time. That changed the game. More channels than ever on cable and more options than ever for for people allowed the USFL to be bad and to be an inferior product to the NFL. And that's still not hindering. If you love football, tune in. I found myself watching a few games. I've bet on two games. I don't know. I don't know these players from Adam. I took this formula I heard on a sports talk show. 
to you know just bet on the best coach, best quarterback combos. That's what I did, and I won. <laughs> it's something to bet on in this age where you can bet on anything, and you don't have to watch and get forced to watch anything, just anything. It's the perfect time for spring football. I was totally wrong. Where what do you think what Colin does? What Colin was right, Colin was wrong. It's where Flynn was wrong. Where Flynn was wrong on the USFL. That's not gonna hurt the football. It's not gonna hurt football at all. The USFL is not gonna impact NFL football at all. Because if you don't like it, don't watch it. But if you want something to bet on, if you want something to stack your parlay on, by all means, throw fault. Throw seven bucks at it. So, I was wrong there. Nothing wrong with a developmental league. And it's not going to hurt the game. It's not going to hurt college football. It's not going to hurt pro football. It's its own thing. You want to watch it? Watch it. You don't want to watch it? Don't watch it. Simple as that. Simple as that. Come back. Give you real nonsense. It's a pretty woman next to me. Make a sacrifice. To share the dreams that I believe. And maybe, maybe we. Someone to truly understand. This is what I need, baby. It's a pretty woman next to me. Standing next to me, girl. To share the dreams that I It's a long outro. I was actually jamming in this joint. Nonsense. Stacks and Flim. Just Flim tonight. Gonna get out of here. I had a new segment I was gonna debut. I'm gonna mesh these two. I gotta get to some commanders too. This is three segments in one. Uh, we got enough time though. We're running out of time. We got just enough. Uh, new segment I wanted to do. It's called. Well, let me see how it would even. Let me try to drop it the way I was going to drop it. So I was just doing, but I want to do a new segment that it's called "I Got Questions." That music will mean. Flim's got some questions. And on this segment, I'm not going to answer any of these questions. I'm just going to pose them. Because I got questions. So, my first question. Giants just released cornerback today. A cornerback. Let me get his name. Let me get all the details for you. Because, again, 
I was thrown off by that power outage, but. Giants just released Will Bradbury, who is a decent cornerback. He's also played for the Carolina Panthers, which is a prerequisite for playing for the Commanders, first of all. Let me say that. If you haven't played for the uh, Carolina Panthers, your chances are slim of becoming a Washington Commander. But I had a question. The Panthers told me, I'm sorry, the Commanders told me that they were going to be making a lot of post-draft moves. And Will Darby has not been signed yet. So this is my question. Why haven't we made a move on Will Darby? I'm sorry, Will Bradbury, my apologies. When we're weak at corner. When our two best corners are William Jackson III, who had a down year, and Kendall Fuller, who you told me was going to play the slot. I'm just curious. I don't have the answer. I don't got the answer. I have no idea why. But I have a question. It's why we haven't moved on Will Bradbury. It's a question I got. Staying on the NFL. I want to ask this directly to you. Sony Michelle. You just signed a one-year $2.1 million deal to Miami Dolphins. The only question I have for you, Mr. Michelle, is did you know that they already signed two backs prior to you and they already had Miles Gaskins. If I had to ask Sony Michelle one question, it'd be, Sony, how much do you plan on playing this season? That'd be my question <laughs> to Sony Michelle. To the NBA. I just got one question. Ben Simmons, what does next year look like for you? What does next year look like for you, sir? I I don't have the answers. But in the spirit of this segment, maybe somewhere you're listening, maybe you do. That's just my question for the NBA. For hockey... For the Capitals. Why didn't we get a goalie before the playoffs? We were dealing with this back and forth. Sam Sonoff, Vandecek, BS all season. We get to the playoffs and we're still dealing with the same thing. My question to the Washington Capitals Why did we think we were a championship contender while we were simultaneously rotating goalies? I don't have any answers, but I got questions. So, hope that segment kind of, it was rushed, but uh, I want to bring that to life a little more. 
I don't have any answers, but God damn it, I got questions. And uh, with that, I'm going to go ahead and get us out of here. I was going to do some commanders, but I mean, there's not even much on the commanders right now. I'll let them breathe. Real nonsense, though, before we get out of here. Uh, I'm going to take the music for this one because this was um not jarring, but I mean, I, I, I barely knew what to make of this here. So, uh, Mississippi Department of Human uh, Services is suing former NFL quarterback and Hall of Famer Brett Favre. And they're suing him over misused welfare spendings. You heard that right. Misused money that came from welfare organizations. Here's the first two lines, two, two paragraphs of the article. This blew me away. I couldn't believe that a prominent athlete got themselves mixed up in something like this. I can't believe a household name found themselves victim to something like this. This man knew no shame. Says the Mississippi Department of Human Services on Monday sued retired NFL quarterback Brett Favre, three former pro wrestlers, and several others, uh, several others, in the attempts to recover millions of misspent welfare dollars that were intended to help some of the poorest people in the United States. Now, I take that with a grain of salt, but the part of the, the poorest people in the United States, that's where I put my uh, hold on Wikipedia hat on. But this is coming from ESPN. So a credible news source. I wouldn't have worded it that way, but, you know, teaches up in, in, the, in the age of clickbait. I can see why they worded it that way. But I don't know if these were some of the poorest people in the United States. I don't know who's quantifying that. But sounds like these were underprivileged people. And it sounds like these uh, prominent stars, the three wrestlers and Brett Favre, uh, probably should have done a better job. So here we go. In the lawsuit, it says the defendant squandered more than $20 million from a temporary assistance for needy families anti-poverty program. Jesus. Suit was filed less than two weeks ago by a mother and son. Uh, and they're just, long story short, I'll give you the media. They're just pleading that Brett Favre gives the money that he owes back. It says, Favre was paid for speeches but did not show up. Favre was repaid. Favre has actually repaid in October $228 million. Oh, I'm so sorry. He repaid $500,000. However, the money that he essentially took for services he never rendered gained interest, which makes sense. These were loans to the tune of $228,000 that Brett Favre still owes the welfare organization. Now, Favre claims that he had no idea of any foul play. Favre says, I didn't know. I tried to right my wrong. I paid back the money. 
Here's the problem, Brett, with even paying back the money. The problem is that you receive checks and you didn't pay back the money until someone, a legal entity, took you to court and forced you to pay that money back. Until this Mississippi welfare organization decided to take legal action against you and your your counterparts, you had no intention, seemingly, of paying that money back. For speeches you were booked for and you knowingly did not show up to. You didn't show up to events and, and you proceeded to cash checks for those events it doesn't take a rocket scientist here y'all i listen if we if any of us receive free money in the mail free spendable money we know where every dime every red cent of that comes from even if you find a bag of money on the street first thing in your human brain is wonder what the repercussions taking this might be so for Brett to say hands up oh man I didn't know man I I got that money but hell I didn't know well you knew you weren't showing up for speeches Brett you knew these people were compensating you for a particular reason you knew you partnered with a welfare organization whose name was on the top left corner of that check and you didn't know? You didn't know that this money didn't belong to you? You didn't you got money in the mail that you didn't earn? And you're going to lean on I didn't know shit. I mean, it's all a big misunderstanding. How do you spend money to the tune of half a million still on the hook? For another quarter million. And try to play the I didn't know card. You took money. From underprivileged impoverished people. And you spent those funds. Assumingly. Or at worst. You accepted funds. For services you did not render. Now, I don't know how much you did know. I don't know how much you didn't know. But I do know one thing. You spent money from a charity organization. And you relinquished on your obligation. And I know that's real nonsense. 